pretty sure that Wednesdays are considered the middle of the week. So happy middle of the week to everybody out there. We are the Y'all Show. And for the next couple of hours, we will give you a dose of Dixie with the news, especially some political news coming in from Washington, D.C. in the last 24 hours. We have that plus some of the ripple effects of the ouster of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the United States House. There's at least one Southern governor capitalizing on this. So we'll tell you all about that, plus other headlines going on today in our region, included in those headlines today. Unfortunately, a tragic situation in the state of Maryland is five people wounded in a shooting for a homecoming event at Morgan State University. We'll give you all the details there. Plus also a high school football player in Georgia has died after falling ill. We'll give you the story there. Plus in Florida, after a high school, it wasn't a high school, it was a middle school practice there. Two people shot, two teammates shot over an argument there at a Florida middle school. We'll give you all that. Plus if you want to see a banned book, You've got your chance at a few places across the Southeast in the next couple of days or so. Nashville, get ready, because the band book that's actually called the Band Wagon Tour is coming to Nashville, and they're going to be having books like Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, Dear Martin, and a book called How to Be an (laughs) Anti-Racist. Okay, I'm going to give you the list of books that have been banned and how you can get your copy as this band wagon tour comes to several southern cities. I think this is intended to be a finger in the eye of conservatives. I'll give you that information. Plus, toxic snails. Have you had a or been around a toxic snail lately? Evidently, some toxic snails found in the Carolinas. Inland, well inland from the coast, We'll give you an idea of what they are and what this means as both the North Carolina and South Carolina Departments of Natural Resources are sending out alarms. So we'll have that information. Plus, it is going to be a little bit cooler over the next few days. An autumn chill arriving this weekend. I'll give you the latest on that. Lionel Richie was back in his native state of Alabama. And I'm going to tell you that he actually brought along a couple of his famous crooners to Sweet Home Alabama with him. Katy Perry and Luke Bryan were in tow when Mr. Ritchie, the Talladega, Alabama native, was back in the heart of Dixie. That plus, we've got a listing of the wealthiest Southerners. Forbes has just come out with their list, and I'm going to walk through. They have the top 400 richest people in the country, and I'm going to walk through the South's representation on that list. Some states sadly don't even have one of the top 400 people that are considered to be the wealthiest people in America. The Forbes 400 list will break it down by the southern region on today's Y'all Show. Those are some of the headlines that we'll be getting to today. Elsewhere in our program, later this hour, we'll have hashtag Hullabaloo. That's where fun social media stuff kind of shows up in our inbox, and we take that opportunity to share it all with y'all so today in our first hour we'll have hashtag hullabaloo and we are actually going to tell you a little going to tease you here in the first hour we're going to tease you because we're going to 
give you the, the real dose of this in hour number two. So just a heads up in hour one, someone brought up something about a southern fried chicken recipe. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. But hour number two, we're going to go head first into the actual making of this incredible, what they actually call the crispy Sunday fried chicken recipe. And that comes to us from 30seconds.com. Okay, that's hour two. But I'm going to give you a little heads up about it here in hour one. Plus, in our hashtag hullabaloo today, someone's talking about how to lose. This is just sad. This is really just sad. Somebody's out here telling others how to lose their southern accent. Now, what a shame. We'll talk about that here in hashtag Hullabaloo in just a few minutes on the program. Hour number two, I told you, in addition to our headlines, we're going to be talking about fried chicken. But also in hour number two today, we've got our Southern Business Spotlight and some wonderful news for the peach state of Georgia as one magazine has just listed Georgia as the best state in the country to do business in. I'll tell you more about that article. Plus, today is the day that everybody's going to get that crazy cell phone alert. We'll give you a little bit more information about that. And tech stocks are still sliding. What is that all about? We will discuss hour number two as part of our Southern Business Report. In our final hour today, we'll have our Southern History Spotlight. We'll walk through a few people who are having birthdays today. Former football player, the late Bill Wade, with a birthday today. We'll tell you about Mr. Wade and his football career. Plus, a lady that helped out with the Donald Trump White House. You might know her more for her work with wrestling. Linda McMahon, the North Carolinian, with a birthday today. Plus, the late writer Ann Rice, a birthday today. We'll explain a little bit more about her New Orleans background and some of the great Ann Rice books as a tribute to her on what would be her birthday, October 4th. So, all that is ahead on the y'all show plus in our final hour we've got a southern history southern humor spotlight in our final hour of today's show and i'm going to introduce you to billy anderson billy anderson is a guy who grew up in several different southern states but now lives on the left coast and he's a pretty funny guy and we're going to play a clip of him in action courtesy of the dry comedy channel billy anderson and some southern humor coming your way in our final hour of today's y'all show get your laughs ready okay if you would like to get your laugh on i want to hear all about it you can email us at the y'all show we have our email address available 24 7 m-a-i-l mail at y'all.com and don't forget you can listen to the podcast edition of this program as we're available in apple podcast apple itunes spotify iHeartRadio, and we're also on the tune in app Go on any of those options and search Y'all Show. And if you need a little extra oomph to find us, you can type out my first name, J-O-N, and I guarantee you will find the Y'all Show podcast. And there you can just hit subscribe to us. And each and every day that we're putting out programs, you'll be connected. And we will be all living harmoniously from that point on, thanks to your catching up with the y'all show podcast again thank you to those of you who catch us on the radio just a reminder though for radio listeners sometimes you have maybe a distraction 
perhaps you got to jump out of the car run into the gas station or something like that and if you miss any of the show you're always able to catch up with every one of our programs through the y'all show podcast so all of those available on those different outlets okay let's get into the headlines on this wednesday and the big story that happened wednesday afternoon roughly around five o'clock eastern four o'clock central for the first time in american history a sitting u.s house speaker has been ousted from that position it was a vote i'm doing this off of the top of my head i think it was 218 to on, on the yays and the 210 no's but by about eight votes kevin mccarthy is kicked off the platform and he's no longer the u.s house speaker and then he comes out and says he's not going to try to run again next week so what happened was matt gates earlier in the week put forth the proposal to have him ousted and it looked like there was a chance to maybe even block that getting to the floor of the house but in the end that didn't happen and so on tuesday afternoon a vote happens every single democrat voted against kevin mccarthy supposedly in a caucus meeting video was played where kevin mccarthy said nasty things about the democrats and guess what they as they usually do were in unison and absolutely unified to destroy his house career meanwhile matt gates and a handful of other congressmen on the republican side join the 208 democrats in the yes vote and all you needed was a majority to pass that and in the end that's exactly what happened among the yays alongside the florida congressman matt gates were south carolina congressman nancy mace and then you had the knoxville area congressman who was out talking about how he and kevin mccarthy had a conversation and kevin mccarthy essentially mocked his religion when he said he needed to pray over it and that's what led that decision to go down as a yay vote on tuesday but in the end we've got a change of leadership in the united states house kevin mccarthy of california out and the maybe even stranger thing that happened after the decision to kick McCarthy out was the fact that Congress decided to take off. They adjourned. They're out until Tuesday of next week. And a lot of people said, you don't do that. You just fired your guy. You should have a secession plan. Let me hold on. Let me make sure I get that wording right. Uh, Yeah, it would be nice to have a secession plan. They needed to have a succession plan. Because they need to, uh, yeah, succession. And the person in the catbird seat, I heard it described as that, is Steve Scalise, the congressman from Louisiana. He is the, I guess he would be the whip of the United States House for the Republicans. And unfortunately for Scalise, he's battling blood cancer right now. And he's got a horrible health record, primarily caused by the fact that he was nearly assassinated during Trump's time in office when he was preparing for that congressional softball game. 
So he's had that to deal with the last few years and now this other life-threatening illness. He says he's fit. In fact, stories came out Tuesday after the ouster of McCarthy that Scalise was already working the phones. So if indeed he wants to be the U.S. House Speaker, I think this may be a very easy thing to put Steve Scalise in the chair of the U.S. House if he's up for it. Others, potentially, who could be House Speakers include Elise Stefanik of New York. Also, you've got Majority Whip Tom Emmer. I'm sorry, Scalise is the Majority Leader, not Majority Whip. The Majority Whip in the U.S. House is Tom Emmer. Then you're hearing about uh, Jim Jordan of Ohio as a potential House Speaker. And remember, the rules say you don't even have to have a sitting member of Congress be in that position of House Speaker. That's highly likely. Highly likely. But two people I don't think are going to be, if you're worried about this, in the position of House Speaker. Matt Gates, who helped cause this whole change, says he's not interested in being House Speaker. I don't think he would get the votes. He is hated and has been hated for a while. But how about this? This one guy from I think his hometown is Fort Walton Beach, Florida. This one guy from FWB helps lead a change of leadership of the nation's third highest person, Speaker of the United States House. And a lot of that was fueled by the fact that he and McCarthy really just didn't get along. And some nasty words had been said literally between those two for a while. And it came to a head and advantage Gates florida over california i saw an interview from people in kevin mccarthy's congressional district around bakersfield california many of those were big mccarthy supporters he won convincingly in his last race there and they were very upset that mccarthy had been tossed out as leader of the united states house i have not seen interviews along the emerald coast of florida the congressional district of Matt Gates. I wonder what people there think about what the very quaffed and very well-spoken <laughs> Matt Gates and what he did on Tuesday, essentially bringing a national spotlight to the Redneck Riviera, uh, Riviera, Florida, the area of which he represents. You know, he won pretty convincingly the last time he was up for office. And as he said, he has been the most investigated member of Congress. They have tried to bring him down multiple times. That would be the feds. I mean, for things like trafficking charges, child trafficking charges, nasty, awful stuff. They've tried to do it. They've tried to have people turn on him. And as he kind of laughs about, you know, he survived. He's not worried about what his fellow Republicans are trying to do to him. He's already been highlighted as a as a bad guy and survived that and came out lily white. Matt Gates. Okay, so we have a change. A change is coming. We don't know who that's going to be. There will be a vote for the U.S. House Speaker next week when Congress gets back together. As of right now, the Speaker Pro Tem of the U.S. House, that role 
is held by North Carolina's Patrick McHenry. Now, after he had to announce that that Kevin McCarthy was out and he adjourned the House, McHenry, you might have seen the video, slammed the gavel down. He and McCarthy very close. And I don't think he is a potential U.S. House Speaker, Patrick McHenry, the bow-tied 47-year-old out of Gastonia, North Carolina, who represents North Carolina's 10th district. But he's someone that likely, if you you want to gauge how this vote's going to go, someone like a bow-tie wearing Patrick McHenry needs to be caucused, if you will. But he is right now the acting speaker of the U.S. House, if you will. As I said, it is a vote going down next week of of what is going to happen in this position of U.S. House Speaker. Now, that was happening in Washington, D.C. Tuesday, just down I-95 in the state capital of Virginia. Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia ended up raising $4.4 million just around the time of this ousting of McCarthy. Why is he raising millions and millions of dollars? Does it have anything to do with a potential run for president? In the state of Virginia, a governor is only allowed to be governor four years. So he is likely thinking about his future. But in the last 48 hours, billionaire founder and managing partner of Susquehanna Investment Group, Jeff Yass, has donated $2 million to Yunkin's PAC. He also got over $2.4 million from other big-time donors. I'm sorry, did I say billion? $2 million <laughs> given to his PAC. And then a guy named Thomas Pefferty, a Republican mega-donor, gave another million dollars to Yunkin's PAC. There's a little bit of a momentum for him to potentially jump in here and run for president on the Republican side. According to his chairman of his PAC, Dave Rexrode, Governor Yunkin of Virginia has raised over $15 million since March 1st for his PAC. He's packing it in. I wonder what the money is going to be used for. Now to the state of Maryland, a story from Tuesday. A shooting interrupted a homecoming week celebration at Morgan State University in Baltimore. Five people shot and an hours-long lockdown at this HBCU in Baltimore. And a homecoming event on a Tuesday, getting ready again for, I guess, a a real big weekend. Luckily, the injury's not life-threatening. The victims were four men and a woman between the ages of 18 and 22. Four of the victims, students at the university, according to the police chief of Morgan State University. But a shooting in the middle of the week getting ready for homecoming activities there on the Baltimore campus of Morgan State. And it's only that was only on a Tuesday. Can you imagine what it's going to be like going forward? Some tragic stories out of high school and football ranks. We'll get to those. Let's take a quick break here on the Y'all Show and want to remind you as we go to break that you can always catch us here at the Y'all Show courtesy of the Y'all Show text line. And that text line 
available 24-7 at 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. You can text us right now if you're listening to us. If you want to write that number down and hit us back later, we would welcome your feedback here on the show all about the South as we have this mixture of news and a little bit of entertainment and book talk and politics and also we have uh, did I say entertainment we've got a lot of uh, just southern culture stuff and a little sports talk too all right here on y'all and we'll continue on with our headlines after this break Call a self-made man Girl, don't you believe it's true I know exactly how lucky I am When I'm getting this close to you It's high time I'm giving some praise To those that got me where I am today Got to thank Mama for the cooking, Daddy for the whooping, the devil for the trouble that I get into. I got to give credit where credit is due. I thank the bank for the money, thank God for you. Strong heart and a willing hand and That's a secret to my success A good woman, I try to be a good man Good job, Lord, I know I've been blessed I'm just a part of a greater plan It doesn't matter which part I am Got to thank Mama for the cooking, Daddy for the whooping, the devil for the trouble that I get into. I got to give credit where credit is due. I thank the bank for the money, thank God. Oh, the great country music group, Sawyer Brown, and a little thank God for you. We want to wish a happy birthday to Hobie Hubbard of Sawyer Brown, as today is his, what is it, 60... 63rd birthday, that's right. Born October 4th of 1960. He is a Floridian, and he and Mark Miller and the other guys of Sawyer Brown founded that group in the Orlando area. And they got their big break when they were on Star Search. Remember Ed McMahon hosting Star Search back in the day? And in 1983, Sawyer Brown won that contest and went on to have a bunch of big hits in country music and the keyboard player for. Sawyer Brown, Hobie Hubbard. What a what a great name. Uh, his birthday today. Happy birthday, Hobie. We're continuing on here on the Y'all Show with more coverage of news headlines from across the southeast and some tragic news out of Savannah, Georgia, where a JV football player has now died after emergency responders had to rush him to a hospital. And sadly, this high school JV player was a member of the Windsor Forest High School 
in the Savannah Chatham County School District. 15-year-old Keyshawn Allen died. An autopsy planned to determine the cause of death, but evidently he suffered a medical emergency while on the sidelines of this JV football game Monday night. And this youngster, at 15 years old, has died. And our thoughts go out to everybody with Windsor Forest High School in Georgia with the loss of this player. Again, called a medical emergency as it happened on the sidelines of this Monday night high school junior varsity game. A sad story coming from the state of Florida where an 11-year-old boy was shot and he was shot after he got into an argument. The suspected shooter fired at his football teammate who got hit in the back and then is believed to have struck another juvenile in the arm with a gun and they got into this after a Monday night football practice in Apoca, Florida. Again, 11-year-old Pop Warner youth football teammates getting to a fight and somebody pulls out a gun. The fight was over a bag of chips, according to police. The child not been identified that pulled out the gun and shot his Pop Warner youth football teammates. This youngster faces a count of attempted second-degree murder. Authorities said the boy grabbed a gun from an unlocked box in his mother's SUV and fired toward another teammate, hitting him in the back outside this football complex in Apopka, Florida. And then another juvenile got struck in the arm. The victims, each 13 years old, were taken to a hospital and are expected to recover. But having that kind of easy access to handguns and they are fighting over a bag of chips and an 11 year old an 11 year old is the one that pulls out the gun and shoots that's why I've said it once I'll say it again sometimes you just need to have people especially men especially youngsters instead of pulling out a gun and getting into a fight this is when I long for the days where maybe they could do a little WWE style wrestling out there in the parking lot and nobody's going to likely get killed after they skirmish and try to do a body slam and things like that maybe even a few punches could be thrown I'm not advocating for violence but I'd sure rather have some kids get into a fist fight than pulling out a freaking gun and more people get shot, killed, hurt because of stupid decisions it takes a little bit more of a man or even if you're an 11 year old yeah, you could be a man by taking your fist and be willing to hit somebody than to go pull a gun and and shoot somebody that's cowardly over a bag of chips I mean, come on but this is the kind of stories we have to tell you about each and every day it gets a little old, doesn't it? A little old. And maybe, like I said, I'm not hoping for bloody noses and bruises and stuff like that. I'm just, I grew up with when kids fought and they didn't fight with guns, for God's sakes, okay? And we should have a return to those days now. In fact, I think it's more chivalrous to get out there because people are not going to get along. 
we're going to have arguments that's human nature but when somebody brings a gun into the equation then it it, it just isn't the same anymore and 11 year olds evidently know how to to do that according to stories like this one today that i'm telling you about invasive snails that's the word of the day in the carolinas as the north carolina wildlife resources commission has identified something called apple snails and the lumber river in lumberton north carolina now apple snails produce egg clusters that contain a toxin known to cause skin and eye rashes in humans and they also carry rat lungworm a disease that can be deadly in humans if the snails are eaten yikes 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 so watch out for what's called apple snails in this area of eastern north carolina around lumberton and these same snails have been found in South Carolina as well. It is illegal to possess, purchase, sell, transport, or stock apple snails in both North and South Carolina. In South Carolina, you can report suspected apple snail occurrences to the SC Department of Natural Resources to their Aquatic Nuisance Species Program. Look that number up, put it in your phone, okay? But yes, please be aware if you're in, let's say, eastern North Carolina or if you're in the PD area, basically around, along the PD River. The PD River is a river that flows around Lumberton and down into, I guess it would be Sherall, South Carolina, kind of in that area between Florence and Dillon, South Carolina, sort of northeast. If you're looking at a map and then if you're looking at a map of North Carolina, be the very southeastern section of North Carolina. This is the area that's kind of neat. It is the home of the Lumbee Indians. And it is a really neat story of the Lumbee Indians. And that's where the name Lumber is. It's not, I don't think, named because of the trees. It's named, Lumberton is named after the Lumbee Indians, of which UNC Pembroke, a college there in North Carolina, is a college set up for the Lumbee Indians. They are quite numerous in both Carolinas in that little section so in Lumbee territory please be advised of this apple snail in the Lumber River and other tributaries now apple snails are most easily recognized by their distinctive large bright pink egg clusters which are laid on solid surfaces above the water line on the edges of rivers, ponds and streams it looks kind of like a big bag of pink BBs if you were to kind of come upon it. Don't eat it. Okay? This could be deadly. And they're working in the Carolinas right now to do something about this invasive, toxic snail known as apple snails. Be advised if you're going to be swimming in those areas real soon. And that is a look at some of our headlines in hour number one. We've got more headlines coming as we go forward today, including in our headlines today, it's going to be cooling off a little bit when the weekend arrives. We'll give you more on that. Plus, Lionel Richie, he and good old Georgia boy Luke Bryan, and I don't know where she's from originally, Katy Perry, they were all together in Alabama, Lionel Richie's home state. What were they doing in the heart of Dixie? We'll explain as we go forward in our headlines today. Plus, we've got the list of the Forbes 400 richest folks that new revised list has just come out and I'm going to walk through later in the program 
some of the rich people of Dixie. Are you on the list? <laughs> Stay tuned. We will have that. When we come back, though, we've got hashtag Hullablue, our look at some fun social media activity. And we'll get to that right after this. Stagger a little as he went out the door I can still hear the soft southern winds in the live old trees And those Williams boys, they still mean a lot to me Hank in Tennessee, I guess we're all gonna be The sound in the night like the wind does But you ain't afraid if you're washed in the blood like I was Smell a cave jasmine through the window screen John R. and the wolf man kept me company by the light of the radio by my All right, somewhere in that John uh, Don, Don Williams song, somewhere in there, there's a line about, I was smarter than most and I could choose, learn to talk like the man on the six o'clock news. Okay, the gentle giant, of course, Don Williams with that great hit in country music. And it's, it is with that lyric in mind that we start off this segment of the Y'all Show, wrapping up this first hour with hashtag Hullabaloo and Sky Islander is on X at Sky underscore Islander. Sky Islander writes, I'm a baby boomer from Mississippi. After high school, I shed my southern accent. What? What? And then they write, as late late country pruner Don Williams said, he actually sang, he didn't say this, I was smarter than most and I could choose. I think it's right here. And I watched him burn. Okay, okay, it's coming up. It's coming up here. That line here. Stand by, stand by for news. But I was smarter than most, and I could choose. Learn to talk like the man on the six o'clock news. When I was eight. Okay, there's the line from the gentle giant. Now just because Don Williams said it, Sky Islander, doesn't mean that you need to shed that southern accent and if you're a baby boomer from mississippi my goodness i bet you've had a great southern accent and we have not many but we got a few six o'clock news anchors across the country who still have a little bit of a southern twang and that's a great thing 
but not many not many in fact i was telling y'all on the tuesday y'all show that i actually had a sighting friday of one of our most famous southern news anchors and i saw him and i'm thinking you know i haven't seen him on tv in a while hmm oh well i didn't think much more about it i'm talking about mississippi speaking of sky islanders native state mississippi's own shepherd smith i actually saw him friday in the hometown of his uh, favorite college team in fact he was sporting his college team's light blue shirt when i saw him <laughs> and and so I, I put put that one in the back of my head and didn't think about it but actually tuesday i was thinking where is shepherd smith you know the guy that was really seriously probably the biggest face on fox news for years and then he goes over to cnbc and i was looking and he actually got fired about this time last year it was october of 2022 that they made some changes and his show got canned at cnbc and shepherd smith is not on any tv station right now out of holly springs mississippi and shepherd's nearly 60 years old but for a long time he was one of the the big faces of the fox news channel and now he's he's not employed anywhere and shepherd still had a little bit of a southern accent to his credit so there's an example of a southerner who didn't throw it all away and i guess we got a few others i mean dan rather dan rather from texas i thought he had a a little bit of a southern twang to his anchoring of course he's not on the tv anymore either i guess he may have some some documentaries and such but we don't have too many i wish we had more i really do but whether you're a news anchor or not sky islander it's blasphemy for any southerner to get rid of their southern accent if they need to temporarily get rid of it for maybe a role in a movie or a play i would be okay with that but one of the reasons we do this show is to promote the southern accent don't run from it why do we want to sound like people from iowa every day you know one of the great things about the southern accent is we got various examples of it we've got some variety in the southern accent and that's that's a great thing i like to be able to answer the telephone and know exactly who's on the telephone and if everybody sounded like they were from dubuque it would be a tough tough deal i can't i can't even call up radio stations because people know that i have a distinctive voice and part of that is because i got a southern accent i got a great southern accent don't don't i (laughs) i think so and i bet you you do too and you don't need to run from it be proud you a southerner because the south's gonna do it again as charlie daniels once said let's let's wrap up our one with an x from donna john at donna's 92 donna writes this easy buttermilk fried chicken recipe starts in a skillet and ends in the oven crispy and delicious and she's got this posted at the website 30seconds.com i don't have the time right now to walk through this with you but if i could i would but you know what i'm gonna do you a favor hour two we've got food talk coming your way and i'm going to walk through this great recipe that 
Donna John has put up. It's crispy Sunday fried chicken. And it's posted on the website 30seconds.com. And we're going to walk through this delicious crispy Sunday fried chicken. You know, it's not just fried chicken we're talking about here. We're talking crispy Sunday fried chicken recipe. And that's pretty dang southern. And it's a buttermilk Sunday fried chicken recipe that Donna's sharing. And we're going to break it all down for you in our second hour. We've got that coming your way also in our second hour of today's y'all show. We've got a southern business spotlight. And we're going to tell you about this wild and crazy phone alert that's going to be hitting everybody's phones at some point on this Wednesday. That and some information about tech stocks. All that ahead on the show that shakes the Southland. Hour two of the show that's all about the South. Hello, welcome into y'all. I'm John Raw. This is the program powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. Got a very active hour two ahead. We've got headlines continuing on, more feedback from Washington, D.C., where McCarthy was sent packing as House Speaker on Tuesday. I had a chance to watch his press conference. If you get a chance it's about 35 minutes long but he didn't hold back he got very statesman when he started but then he transitioned into having an axe to grind at times there and we'll talk about that all that in today's news headlines we also will tell you about how it just might be cooling off a a wee bit across the southeast over the next few days that's coming up plus we've got food on our mind as 30seconds.com has published an article about crispy Sunday fried chicken. And we're going to walk through that great recipe here in our Southern Food Spotlight of this Wednesday Y'all Show. And before we get out of here today, we've got a Southern Business Spotlight. And we'll let you know about this phone alert that's going to be going off on this Wednesday afternoon. Then we'll also tell you about how some of the tech stocks are dwindling what is that going what's going on with that y'all all that is a a little section of what we call the southern business spotlight that's coming up a little bit later on in the hour to get involved with the y'all show our text line is 615-208-4184 that's the number you can text no matter what time of day it is then we also have our email address mail m-a-i-l at Y-A-L-L dot com. Mail at y'all dot com. Would love to hear from every single one of you out there. Appreciate you listening. And let's dive back into news headlines of the day. So yes, indeed, in a historic first Tuesday afternoon, the United States House of Representatives 
decided to have a vote on whether Kevin McCarthy would remain speaker. And guess what? The votes came in and he was kicked out with a final tally. I believe it was 218 to 208. 218 yays and let's see here. I may be too off. 216 to 208, maybe that's what it was. Bottom line, by roughly 10 votes, there were a lot of people out. In fact, Nancy Pelosi didn't even vote as she was in California for Dianne Feinstein's funeral. I don't think Steve Scalise voted as he is right now in a tough battle with blood cancer. There were others who didn't vote. In fact, and all seven people weren't casting votes at all in this decision to kick House Speaker Kevin McCarthy out. You did have a total of eight Republicans who voted to kick McCarthy out. Those included the ringleader, Matt Gates, the congressman from Florida. He was not the only Southerner that was part of this, as you also had joining him Tim Burchett, congressman from Knoxville, Tennessee. He voted to kick Kevin McCarthy out of office. Also, you had out of the state of Virginia, Bob Good, and from the state of South Carolina, Nancy Mace, representing the low country of South Carolina. So, out of those eight that voted against keeping speaker on as, as, the, as the speaker half of them were from the south now what were their reasons Matt Gates, we know his reason primarily he felt like Kevin McCarthy lied betrayed his oath and Matt Gates, some people may see him as a fire eater a guy who is full of himself but he's in my opinion very well spoken He usually has some kind of justification for what he's talking about. And as I said in hour one today, he is a guy who has withstood some very nasty and personal and very serious charges brought against him to try to bring him down, to shut him up. And he has thus far survived all that. While people who tried to bring him down have been sent off to jail for trying to turn on him because they were lying evidently about trying to bring him down but he has survived thus far and to his credit I think McCarthy the night before the vote put out something on social media that said bring it and guess what (laughs) Gates brought it and he brought the California congressman down as Speaker of the United States House. First time in history that's ever happened. I wonder what that's going to be for the nation's reputation around the world when they see the third leading person in American politics brought down by essentially two or three people, mostly by one, Matt Gates. Matt Gates had his own personal vendetta with Kevin McCarthy but in the end he's the winner 
Why did others join in? Of course, every single Democrat voted to oust Kevin McCarthy. But why did these others do it? Well, I know for a fact, Tim Burchett, the Tennessee congressman, he explained that McCarthy called him up and essentially mocked him for his wanting to pray over the issue. And he just didn't feel like he could vote for somebody who was mocking God or religion. Now, McCarthy's come out and said, you know, I'm a very religious person. I think McCarthy is a very strong Catholic. I'm not sure what happened there, but in the end, the East Tennessee Congressman Burchett goes against McCarthy. The big surprise to me was the fact that Nancy Mace voted to kick out Kevin McCarthy, but her two other famous Republican women congressmen were aligned with Kevin McCarthy and voted to keep him. Those two who aligned with him would be Marjorie Greene of Georgia and Lauren Boebert of Colorado. They stuck in the McCarthy camp. But Nancy Mace, as I kind of, I'm going to give her the nickname of Schizophrenic Nancy. In fact, Kevin McCarthy almost insinuated the same thing in his press conference that he had after he got kicked out when her name was brought up. He mentioned how he had called her chief of staff because Nancy Mace evidently had gone on The View and maybe had been talking smack about Kevin McCarthy. I'm not sure. How did a Republican congressman from North Charleston, South Carolina find her way to being a regular on things like The View? Well, just like Matt Gates, Nancy Mace, just like Marjorie Green and about four others, they're utilizing their famous congressman to get national attention, to get the spotlight. The problem with Nancy Mace and why I call her schizophrenic Nancy is that you don't know where she's going to be one day compared to the next. And that's what McCarthy was talking about. As he said, he called and spoke to her chief of staff who said, oh, Nancy's with you. She would never do anything against you, blah, blah, blah. Then the vote comes on Wednesday or Tuesday, rather, and she votes to kick him out of office. And I still haven't heard her justification for that. She's gone against Trump. She's gone against Trump even though she was once the head of his election campaign in the original Trump 2016 bid in South Carolina, her state. And so I don't know what's up with her. I'll try to get get her on the phone and find out. <laughs> I do know people who know people, at least with her. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on with that. But again, the others that went against Kevin McCarthy included Andy Biggs of Arizona. I remember him as a new congressman back in January kept voting against McCarthy's speakership bid. Ken Buck of Colorado who's a very much a stickler on budget issues, he voted against McCarthy. I think he was really ticked off about the seemingly seemingly endless check writing that keeps going on for Ukraine and then the fact that they keep just passing continuing resolutions and they don't really get to the whole budget crisis 
that's going on. Elijah Crane of Arizona also was a person that voted against McCarthy. And then Bob Good of Virginia. Now, I don't know much about this good man, Bob Good, but I'm going to tell you, if you'll give me a sec, I'm going to pull him up and tell you why he may have voted against Kevin McCarthy. As Bob Good represents Virginia's 5th Congressional District, and that is a section of the Commonwealth of Virginia that is in sort of the northern Virginia, the maybe, if there is such a thing, the suburbs south of Washington, D.C. And it's really more of Charlottesville, Danville, Lynchburg is his congressional district. It's about 70% white, his section of Virginia. Bob Good, one of the people who voted against Kevin McCarthy. He's been in office since January of 21, so he's in his what? He's in his second term as a congressman representing the Commonwealth of Virginia's 5th Congressional District. I'm, I'm trying to see if there's not a quote from him about his decision to vote. Oh, okay. One News Nation story says Bob Good calls McCarthy's ouster a win for America. And that's all I've got on that. But I guess he didn't mess up his vote according to that quote right there. He's standing by it. Patrick McHenry of North Carolina takes over as the speaker, acting speaker, if you will. As his buddy Kevin McCarthy ousted, Patrick McHenry represents a congressional district of North Carolina to the west of Charlotte, sort of the Statesville area of North Carolina is where McHenry's district is. Congress is out. They will get back together Tuesday of next week, the number one item, because they can't go forward with any legislation until there's a Speaker of the House. And they got to find out who the next Speaker is going to be before they can go forward. And most people betting that Steve Scalise, if he wants the job, will likely be the next Speaker of the House. But others are going to be vying for the position. One person not going to be vying for the position is the guy who kind of helped cause all this mess, Matt Gates. Matt Gates says he's not going to run for Speaker of the House. But some people are keeping their eye on this guy. What's his future? He, he's suddenly become a big star. Maybe a hated star by some but what is the future of Matt Gates? well it looks like Donald Trump says that he's a great guy that's what Trump said and some people are saying well maybe Matt Gates should run for governor of Florida after DeSantis' term comes to the end and some of the pundits are already considering him a top contender for governor of Florida and that next election, which is 2026. <laughs> Matt Gates, governor. I, I, I'm not sure about that. I think um, I think he likes being in the spotlight of Washington, D.C. If, if I were trying to get in his head, because he sure does a good job. Very, very good at um, at the English language, you could say does a good job with some of his words 
but Matt Gates already getting the attention of President Trump. He already said that he and Trump had been in communication about what was going on in D.C. this week. President Trump asked about Matt Gates and what he thought about the congressman perhaps running for governor of Florida one day. He said, quote, he's a great guy. I mean, he's great, a wonderful person. He's strong, Trump said about Matt Gates. I don't know what Trump's definition of strong is, but he sure is savvy. And, as I said, he is the winner in the battle that he's had going on with Kevin McCarthy for the last nine months at least. Now, if you want to go check out something a little bit unusual and somewhat of a, I think, a finger in the eye of conservatism, the Bandwagon Tour is making a little journey across the southeast right now. And this is a tour all to bring books that have been banned to people across the nation. And it is a book tour handing out free copies of these banned books. It's called The Band, B-A-N-N-E-D, Band Wagon Tour. And it's coming courtesy of Freedom to Read Foundation, PEN America, and the Little Free Library. And they're giving away books. It's spearheaded by the Penguin Random House Publishing Company. Hmm. Think about that company next time you're out trying to buy books if you're a conservative. They're essentially giving away books that have been banned. And this bandwagon tour, by the way, is right now on a tour, and they're making appearances in Atlanta, Nashville, New Orleans, and Houston during this first week of October. If you want to go to the Nashville bandwagon tour stop, they've been stopping off in Eastland Avenue, giving away books there. Penguin Random House says book bans are on the rise across the nation due to new laws and regulations limiting the kind of books that kids can access. So among the books that you can get for free if you go to a banned wagon tour stop, books that have been banned for various reasons, they include Rebecca Sklut's The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I need to get a reminder of who Henrietta Lacks is. I'm not really sure. Hold on a second. (laughs) Henrietta Lacks. Why would that book be banned by some? I don't know, but she's had a statue unveiled of her in Roanoke, Virginia. The Mother of Modern Medicine. Hmm. That is a book, again, that has been banned by some. And so you can check that out. Henrietta Lacks, here we go. Henrietta Lacks, a black woman whose cancer cells are the source of the HeLa cell line, the first immortalized human cell line and one of the most important cell lines in medical research. Hmm, sounds like maybe... She had something to do with, I'm not really sure. I guess her cause of death was cervical cancer. She died in 1951 at the age of 31. 
But anyway, there's a book called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. That's been banned by some in this book being given out. Nick Stone's Dear Martin. Ibram Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist is a book that's also being given out. Oh, the tag team of Maya Angelou and Oprah Winfrey in their book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. That's a banned book that they're giving out. Plus Kyle Lukoff's Too Bright to See. Another book given out is Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye and Laurie Haltz Anderson's Shout. All books that have been banned in certain areas for certain different reasons, but part of this book tour called the Band Wagon Tour making stops in the southeast this week. Probably, as I said, an opportunity to just stick it to conservatives and or legislators who've banned some of these books, mostly on the local levels. I don't think too many state legislatures have come out with legislation saying, we're going to ban books about Henrietta Lacks. I I don't think so. (laughs) But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. All right, one more news item of the day, and that is, look, we're kind of sick and tired of the hot weather, aren't we? Isn't it time for a change? Well, you just might be in luck because according to forecasters, computer models show a rapid invasion of fall temperatures coming in over the weekend. NOAA's Climate Prediction Center hints at some areas having their first frost of the season this weekend. And a winter, or I wouldn't say winter, an autumn chill coming in over the next few days in certain sections of the south. So get ready for temperatures to drop in a, in a big way. As it looks like this cold front's going to push temperatures from where today perhaps you might have temperatures around 90 degrees in some areas. It looks like places like Nashville are going to get down to in the 60s. And in Nashville, where it's 60s something there, in places like Alabama and Birmingham specifically, more like 70 degrees there. Cooler in areas around northern Kentucky than it has been. So a, a definite cold front coming in with lower temperatures expected. Even in the state of Texas, temperatures well into the low 60s in much of the Lone Star State over the next couple of days. So get that jacket out of the closet. You just might get some good use out of it the next couple of days. And then, of course, knowing if you know anything about this region, likely going to be <laughs> burning up here in a couple of days with temperatures pushing <laughs> likely close to 100 if you go back and look at the records of how the South is topsy-turvy when it comes to temps. But hey, it is. I actually pulled my jacket out for the first time two weeks ago it was. It was nighttime, but I was doing some chores and I just felt like I would be more comfortable with a jacket on. And so, yeah, it's the first time in probably five or six months that I broke that jacket out. But it was comforting to have on and I guess I better keep that thing close by going forward because fall has arrived y'all <laughs> we will take a time out here on the y'all show and we will get on to commercial business then when we come back 
we're going to tell you all about a delicious fried chicken recipe that we found courtesy of 30seconds.com. It's crispy Sunday fried chicken. We'll have that. Plus, we've got business news coming up before the hour concludes. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this smartphone alert that's going to be going off at some point on this Wednesday. So be advised, the Y'all Show continues after this. Sunday best He's usually up to his chest In old and grease There's some Martins walking in With that mean little freckle-faced kid Who broke a window last week Sweet Miss Betty likes to sing off key In the pew behind me That's what I love about Sunday Sing along as the choir sways Every verse of amazing grace Then we shake the preacher's hand Go home and do your blue jeans Have some chicken and some baked beans Pick a backyard football team Not do much of anything That's what I love about Sunday Did that fellow say something about Sunday? And chicken, too. I, I do believe Dixon County's on. Craig Morgan said that. We're back on the Y'all Show. And this is a program that mixes in the news of the day and the Southern culture and the travel and the fun and a little bit of sports and entertainment and laughs. Oh, we just, we just got it all spread out like a Sunday church spread. Yeah. We're back here talking about chicken now, courtesy of the website 30seconds.com. In hour number one today, we had hashtag hullabaloo, and somebody actually shared this recipe, and I didn't really want to get into recipe talk and hashtag hullabaloo, so I'm going to do that now, if you don't mind. We're going to talk about this recipe posted here at 30seconds.com, crispy Sunday fried chicken recipe, a culinary gift from the South, and oh boy, does this look good. As the article says, for many families down south, Sunday dinner is a platter of crispy fried chicken mm-hmm, served with comforting side dishes like macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, coleslaw, and fresh vegetables like green beans, broccoli, carrots, peas, and corn. The article continues, there are so many different ways to fry chicken from Tuscan fried chicken to classic fried chicken to rosemary fried chicken to naked fried chicken to even have an oven fried chicken but this recipe at 30seconds.com is an easy buttermilk fried chicken recipe that starts in a skillet and ends in the oven wow I've never heard of such a thing so here we go a super crunchy and juicy fried chicken will come about with this delicious Sunday fried chicken recipe at 30seconds.com it is a prep time of 10 minutes plus an hour to even overnight to marinate 
it's a 30 minute cook time in the oven and then a total time of just 40 minutes for this southern fried chicken in order to have this recipe you need buttermilk as you you're going to end up using a cup and one-fourth of buttermilk you're going to have to use garlic powder paprika vegetable oil baking powder flour in a large bowl you're going to stir up the items including the buttermilk and the garlic powder and when you're ready to cook it you heat the oil in a large deep skillet over high heat to 375 degrees then go ahead and preheat the oven to 400 degrees and you end up in the large bowl whisking together the flour baking powder garlic powder and paprika and then you stir in the rest of the buttermilk so it will be lumpy you dip that chicken into the flour mixture then place it into the hot oil then you cook it for about five minutes or until it's golden brown then turn the chicken over and cook five minutes or until both sides are golden brown then what you do is you remove the chicken to a baking sheet and then bake in a preheated oven for 20 minutes or until the chicken is cooked through with an internal temperature of 165 degrees so delicious not just fried chicken Sunday fried chicken that's crispy now it may not be the healthiest as this is going to have a 609 calorie total for you and plenty of cholesterol 165 is what it measures out (laughs) but you know what I think you'll be forgiven especially if you bring this out at the Sunday afternoon church get together and perhaps your rabbi will forgive you for having all these calories and everything else going on at your crispy Sunday fried chicken recipe you can find this at 30seconds.com you know it's been I can I'm sure all of you can do the exact same thing I can remember the best fried chicken I've ever had and I think I I would give maybe two occurrences in my life of fried chicken that was just unbelievable the rest of it's been great but it hasn't been unbelievable and sadly I think the two places that I got that fried chicken have been long out of business the best I ever had was a great great restaurant and unfortunately it wasn't a lack of business that brought them down they had a little civil war between the husband and the wife and unfortunately the restaurant went away as a result of that feud (laughs) and so man chicken lovers everywhere have never recovered from that one Mm. but boy was it incredible that fried chicken and I think it was buttermilk fried chicken come to think of it so hopefully you've got your own in the back of your brain your own recollection of the best fried chicken that you've had maybe once maybe twice or three times in your life And it is a special, special thing if you're a true Southerner when you get that chicken that's just... Like I said, I would drive a thousand miles to have that fried chicken again if I could. I would drive to the end of the earth. But you know what? I can't get it. I can't get it. Their marriage coming apart ended my love of fried chicken. What are we going to do, (laughs) y'all? Again, check out this great recipe. You can find it again at the website that's got great recipes and they do it 
really quick there at 30seconds.com. It's the crispy southern fried chicken recipe. Yum, yum, yummy, yum, yum. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch over from talking about chicken to southern business. We've got our southern business spotlight, and I'm going to tell you about how tech stocks are continuing to slide. What's that all about? And also, what's up with this smartphone alert that's going off today? Be advised. We'll have all that right after the break. Not the Confederate general, but the singer out of North Carolina is where Stonewall Jackson was from. We just recently lost him. I think it was last year that Stonewall, a Grand Ole Opry singer, passed away. But his most famous tune there, Waterloo. Where will you meet your Waterloo? We're back on the Y'all Show as we wrap up hour number two with some business talk. And you know what? Georgia is a pretty good state right now. Not for just college football. They're nowhere close to meeting their Waterloo in the Peach State from a football standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. On Tuesday, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, announcing that Georgia was named the number one state in the country to do business in, as that was put out by the magazine Area Development. And that is the 10th consecutive year that Brian Kemp State has been numero uno for the best state in the country to do business in. Area Development's 2023 top states for doing business rankings are based on scores from approximately 50 leading site consulting firms from around the country, and they break it down into 14 categories. So Georgia ended up placing in the top 10 in all 14 categories, including earning the number one spot in seven classifications, and Georgia also claimed the number one ranking overall, according to the magazine. Again, 10 straight years, Georgia is a good state to do business in. So congratulations to Governor Kemp and everybody there with this great achievement from Area Development Magazine and I'm sure the rest of the South is sitting there saying, now what do we got to do different going forward? We, we're tired of slipping behind Georgia. I actually have the breakdown of several other states and how they performed in this areadevelopment.com ranking. So Georgia's neighbor on the other side of that Savannah River, South Carolina, is the number two state in the country to do business in. 
the neighbor to the north, the neighbor to the northwest, technically. The volunteer state of Tennessee comes in at number three for top state for doing business in for 2023, according to area development. Georgia's neighbor to the northeast, the great state of North Carolina, is number four. So, hey, what a great little section of the south. They're killing it right along that area, what I call a... What would you call Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee if you had to put it all together? Um, I've got two nicknames for that little subset of the South. You ready for this one? (laughs) First of all, I'd call that Bojangles country. And the second thing, I'd call that SoCon country. Absolutely. How about that? Southern Conference, well represented with Georgia's Mercer Bears. And then Tennessee's got the Chattanooga Mocs and the ETSU Bucks, well represented. And then we're talking a college football conference if you don't know what the SOCON is. <laughs> uh, North Carolina with Western Carolina, well represented in that state. And then South Carolina with Furman, Walford, and the Citadel. Those are your four states of the SOCON that are part of this top states for doing business. But most of you know this area as Bojangles famous chicken country it's a great area to do business in FYI so check it out again area development is the site that came out with this breakdown be advised if you're going to be listening to me at some point in the afternoon hours on this Wednesday and let's say it gets to be about 2.20 Eastern Time 1.20 Central and you're listening to the Y'all Show podcast and then you get some kind of alert going on no it's not because of a expletive i may have said on this show it's because the federal emergency management agency is going to have a national public alert that will go off at 220 eastern 120 central on this wednesday nearly all smartphones connected to a cellular network will deliver a message alongside an alert sound and vibration that says this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System, no action is needed. At the same time, TV and radio stations will also deliver the same message at the same time. This is kind of creepy. You know, are the Germans invading Pearl Harbor again? Perhaps, is that what's going on here? If your phone, TV, or radio makes an alarming sound, don't freak out. It's, again, it's a test. It's a test from the federally federal emergency management agency fema and all smartphones connected to this network are going to deliver that message the fema tests are designed to make sure that the government can get important messages to americans in emergency situations as a 2015 law passed says fema needs to conduct a nationwide test every three years so they last did one back in august of 2021 and here they go with an alarming alarm set for this Wednesday. So now you know. Tech stocks are sliding as we are closing out on the worst month for tech stocks of 2023. The NASDAQ fell 1.9% Tuesday, and that is a broader market decline sparked by concerns of rising interest rates. Airbnb shares have dropped off 6.5% after analysts at KeyBank downgraded their rating 
on the stock. And among mega cap companies, Amazon had the biggest decline as Amazon's stock fell Tuesday 3.7%. As tech stocks are continuing to fall after September was the worst month of the year with a rough start already for October as a spike in interest rates pushes investors out of risky assets. The Nasdaq closed Tuesday at 13,059.47. The tech heavy index declined to 5.8% back in September. So just be advised if you're out putting your money into stock markets and more that you might be, uh, you might not be having the best day from an investment standpoint, thanks to tech stocks at least going on right now. Google is going to be making big changes to prevent Gmail spam, thank goodness. I don't know about y'all, and I don't mean the show, I'm talking about y'all as in used guys, but is it me or every day when I wake up, I get the most stupid emails between the hours of 1.30 in the morning and 6.30 in the morning, often by people whose names I can't pronounce. And they're about the dumbest things that I can't pronounce either. So can't we, we, if we can put a man on the moon, can't we find a way to keep stupid emails from showing up in your email inbox? Can't we figure that out? Google's going to make it harder for spammers to land in your email inbox. They announced this Tuesday. They're going to require emailers who send more than 5,000 messages per day to Gmail users to offer a one-click unsubscribe button in their messages. And then Gmail will not deliver messages from senders whose messages are frequently marked as spam or fall under a clear spam rate threshold of 0.3% of messages sent. Thank you, Google. Thank you for making this stuff happen. Look, I know that we're going to still get stupid emails, spam coming our way, but some of this is just ridiculous. And perhaps... A big part of my frustration is the fact that I get emails sent to my phone, they go into my my laptop, and so I have to repeat the process of deleting this junk every day. But you know what? I should be thankful. At least people are reaching out to me. I could be a guy who never gets any kind of email love, even if it is spam. So let me hush. Let me hush. But if you're a Google user, good news, you might have the cavalry coming to the rescue in terms of having spam get kicked out of your email inbox going forward. Other financial news to tell you about. The United States falls in the new financial inclusion ranking, and that's a global measure of access to financial service, according to researchers, as the U.S. fell to fourth place worldwide in this study of financial inclusion, and that's something going on in 42 markets. Financial inclusion... That means having access to useful and affordable financial products. And consumer sentiment in this country is down across financial systems and employers. So, again, the U.S. falling to fourth place, down from second place. And and this is the second annual Global Financial Inclusion Index compiled by Center for Economics and Business Research in London and also at Des Moines, Iowa's-based Principal Financial Group. Singapore right now leads the world. They're number one in the financial inclusion ranking. What a interesting little 
country, Singapore. If you haven't been studying up on Singapore lately, I've talked to people from Asia. I've talked to people from the Philippines. I've talked to people from, I think it was Japan. And I asked them, if you had to go to one place in Asia to vacation, I was really expecting people to tell me Hong Kong. Of course, Hong Kong now falls into the Chinese government control. I was thinking they would tell me to go, that you just got to go to a place like Vietnam with all the great scenery and the people and the history, of course, from the Vietnam War, not exactly the best history for Americans, but an important country in Southeast Asia. I thought maybe perhaps the Philippines would be a place people would suggest. And and people did say, yeah, go there. Thailand, a country that interests me, looks like a beautiful place, beautiful people. That seems to be a place. But no, I had Asians tell me, no, if I could go anywhere, it would be to Singapore. And lo and behold, it, I guess it, it kind of brought up my attention what what is the history of singapore of course it was a british colony and man it also from a british standpoint marks the most embarrassing segment of british military history that's where the british army surrendered to the japanese in world war ii and thousands and thousands of brits ended up becoming japanese pow's with the fall of singapore early in the war back in the 1940s but man they love golf in singapore and the live tour went there as one of their stops last year and i remember watching that and and singapore truly is although it's a little peninsula and a really small place looks like a completely modern beautiful cool place to visit likely not too inexpensive i bet you it cost a few pennies to go there but keep that in mind and boy do they have the financial thing going in that little tiny southeastern Asian country as well, Singapore. So I'm singing Singapore's praise here on the y'all show. But we're all about the south, of course, not the south of Asia. We're all about the south of the United States. But for right now, little old Singapore is doing pretty well, it looks like, financially and with their golf courses too. And we are hoping the United States, especially the southeast of the U.S., gives them a run for the money here pretty dang soon and that wraps up our business news here on our weekly look at southern business happenings on the y'all show that wraps up also our number two stay tuned we got a whole lot more southern conversation speaking of money and more in our final hour today i'm going to tell you about who some of the richest people in the south are because we just got the rankings from Forbes, the forbes 400 And I'll walk through some of the billionaires of Dixie. We've got that coming. Plus, we've got Southern history, some big birthdays today. And we'll wrap it up today with a little bit of Southern humor, courtesy of Billy Anderson. All that is right ahead.
final hour of this Wednesday program all about the South. We shake it up here on the Y'all Show. Each and every moment we are together as we blend all the good headlines of the day and the gossip and the food and the culture of Dixie. We put it all right here on this little program called the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com. The general of all things Southern, John Rawl. Good to have you back here. We've got more headlines coming in. More on the speakership of the United States House of Representatives. We've got some developing news from Washington on this Wednesday on that front. We'll tell you about that. Then we also have here in our headlines across the Southeast today, we'll tell you about at least a couple of billionaires who are now ranking in the Forbes 400. The rich folks. And don't worry, I'm not going to be reading my name as we call it out. You know, Lionel Richie's a rich folk. And Lionel Richie was back in his native Alabama this week. And he brought along a couple of other rich folks. Petty, Katy Perry and Luke Bryan. What in the world were they doing in the heart of Dixie? I'll explain as we have our headlines here for hour number three. Plus, in this final hour of today's Wednesday Y'all Show, we've got Southern history to talk about. Mostly birthdays as some, some famous folks celebrating on this October 4th. Included in that is a great sports figure of the past, Bill Wade. Does that name ring a bell? If it doesn't, stick around. I'll tell you who Bill Wade was. And then also the late writer Ann Rice, born on this day in history, the New Orleans penman. We'll tell you about her. Or is she a pen woman? Hmm. I think you know what I'm talking about. Also, we'll tell you about Linda McMahon. That's Vince's bride and an NC State alumnae. As she, before getting into WWE, was quite a talented North Carolinian. And she's got a birthday today. We'll tell you about Linda McMahon. All that in our Southern History Spotlight today. And then before we get out of here, <laughs> we got laughs coming your way. As we got a guy who grew up in both Texas and Augusta, Georgia, Billy Anderson. He's a comedian. And he is going to be talking about the fact that you know, not all Southerners match up to the stereotype that we have. So we've got a fun clip coming before we get out of here today from comedian Billy Anderson. And that comes to us from the Dry Comedy Channel on YouTube. That is all packaged and ready to present your way. So I'm going to present my case here in this final hour of the All Show for you to please hold on and we'll get to all of this Southern conversation. To reach us here at the Y'all Show, we have our text line open 24-7-615-208-4184. And we have a way for you to reach us via email, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Please consider connecting to us if you don't mind. So the big national story continues to be that on Tuesday, the U.S. House, for the very first time in American history, ousted its House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy of California, had to take the seal of the House Speaker off of his office as Matt Gates and Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett as well as South Carolina's Nancy Mace and a congressman out of the state of Virginia Bob Good all voted to kick him out of House Speaker and the United States House of Representatives so today, the developing story is Jim Jordan, Mr. I don't wear a sport coat or a suit, 
he is now saying he wants to be Speaker of the House. I think Steve Scalise also would be a likely person, as he's still got a very big health problem going on, but he was working the phones on Tuesday evening, indicating that perhaps he wants to be in the Speaker running. David Thomas is sitting here with me. Can I help you? I listened to it on the way in, so I just thought I'd get it, this time get it live and in color. So. All right, all right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't know we were selling tickets for admission to, to watch the show in action. I, I knew, uh, listening to you and Bass this morning, uh, that the, uh, of course, you were talking about the southern accents of certain people, Shepard Smith, this type of thing. And mm-hmm. I was listening to you come in, and Bass was talking about, um, I knew the airwaves were going to light up with um, Kevin McCarthy this morning. Yeah. And, um, my only thought about that is is that uh, the spin that's been put on and I try to avoid it totally. L- luckily, last night it was nothing but baseball for me, so I didn't have to watch it. How did that go? Philadelphia won. They beat uh, the Marlins, the Miami, Miami Marlins, three to one. The only the only thing about the uh, it's just like when uh, Bass this morning made the comment. He said it's just like. Republicans told Kevin McCarthy, how dare you work with them, with the Democrats? All right, John, I go back into the 1980s when Ronald Reagan was president of this country. Okay, no internet. And I remember real well there was a, a bill that was trying to be passed. And I saw where one of the, the bill it had, and I can't remember what it was, but it was so simple that even I knew it would pass, but it didn't. And I thought, of all people, Reagan vetoed this bill. How could that possibly? Well, I had to do a little studying. And I found out, I learned that there were nine other bills tied to that one. So it was all or nothing, all or none. Mm-hmm. So Reagan vetoed and everything went away. Okay, how do we know what was in that bill that, that, that for, to, to keep the government open? We don't know. Nobody's talking about that. They're just talking about McCarthy's is out as speaker. Yeah, he is. And as a conservative myself, I don't know how you identify, but I identify. No, you know as a, better than that. We'll I, don't, I identify as conservative. I think they'll get a better speaker. I, I think if Steve Scalise steps up and is is, I think his election will be pretty easy. Okay, and, so you, we could get a better speaker. So we couldn't have a better speaker when we had Tip O'Neill, when we had Nancy Pelosi. We couldn't have a better speaker. I think Steve Scalise is just more likable than Kevin McCarthy. I think he also is skilled at getting stuff passed. Let me let me say this. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is your speaker at a very, very difficult time in this country. And you have to hold the line more so than ever before because you're dealing with a, a, a president who is in office that is a, a Democrat, and you've got a Senate that is right at 50-50, and you have a House that's just a few people either way to make it Republican or, or Democrat, it's a very difficult time. I don't care who the speaker is, it, and whoever becomes the speaker, <clears throat> what's going to happen is that individual will be held to a certain level. We can't give away the farm. Just be, just because that that we were told on the news that there was no more funding for the Ukrainians, well, I guess we were all supposed to be real happy about that. But what was in those what what were they, what what was in those bills though? We don't know. Nobody's talking about that. The question now is how much support would Ukraine be getting if if they're ousting the House Speaker 
perhaps Ukraine might want to come up with other scenarios to get funding and we need to support Ukraine, but I think some of the hardliners are like, we don't just need to keep having blank checks to go into Ukraine. That's, that's I have felt all along. Okay, it's, it's just like when the, the it's not a war, that was an invasion. When Russia invaded Ukraine, they said, we need $300 million worth of books. We sent it to them. It wasn't long after that, we know they're, we know they're half a billion dollars. And we start more and more and more. I'm thinking, these people don't need, don't know what they need. They just need money. There's no checks and balances, nothing. And if they if they say, we need 10 tanks, okay, how much do 10 tanks cost? So that's what we'll buy for you. Instead, we just send them, a, a, a like you said, a blank check. Unbelievable. But I, I got my own opinions about Mr. Zelensky. Okay, we'll save that for another time. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to be careful being on that. What's your opinion of Matt Gates? I, I, I don't know, I haven't studied it. I, I think he's, so, he's he's as frustrated as every other Congress, every other Republican Congress member is right now. Well, Donald Trump's not holding back about Matt Gates. What do you have to say? He said, quote, he's a great guy. I mean, he's great, a wonderful person. He's strong. Did he say that? That's what Trump said about Matt Gates when asked what he thought about Matt Gates, perhaps running for Florida governor in 2026. I think oh. Matt Gates has more of his eye on D.C. than Tallahassee. I, no, no comment on that one, huh? No. I, I Well, it's President Trump is, it, 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 you're not, it's, it's, it's right now, it's Trump, it's McCarthy, it's, it's Hunter Biden. It's Joe Biden. You, you got all these things that have literally nothing whatsoever to do with running this country. Hmm. Just one problem right after another. But it's a lot of problems some of these people have created. I will say that. Yeah. John, well, what are we? Thirty-three trillion dollars in debt in this country now. I've lost count. We will never, ever, ever, never balance that. Never. It'll hmm. never happen. But you know what? What I find interesting about that, real quick. Let me say simply say this. I saw a, a, a survey, a statistic, if you will, statistic that said the other day that said 63% of all people in this country, wage earners in this country, are living paycheck to paycheck. 63%. Now, if people, the individual can't balance their own checkbook, how do they expect the, the country to do that? Good point, David Thomas, who's sitting in here with me as I go through some of that. You can't leave. You jumped in these headlines. You're going to have to stay for this segment, okay? Okay. So what do you think of Lionel Richie? Lionel Richie? Yeah. He's a good singer. He was the Commodores. The 74-year-old was back in his native Alabama this week as he was in his hometown of Tuskegee, and he brought along Katy Perry. This time she wasn't jumping off the bar there at, uh, what's the name of that bar? She was famous when she was in Oxford about 10 years ago, jumping off of Funkies. Yeah, she got up on the bar and jumped out into the crowd, Katy Perry. And Luke Bryan, the Georgia boy, Katy and Luke joined their fellow American Idol judge, Lionel Richie, as he took them back to Tuskegee, where he went by and visited Tuskegee University, Lionel's alma mater. They also went by the Tuskegee Municipal Complex and also to Hello Park. That's a park in Tuskegee, named for one of Lionel Richie's famous songs. Mm -hmm. So pretty neat that he would bring along these two great singers to his hometown. It is. It is. 
but if, I, yeah, it's fun. And and they had a good time there in Tuskegee, Alabama. Have you ever been into the actual town? I haven't. No. I've been near there. Of course, it's near Auburn. It's I have not. Tuskegee's no. located. No, I haven't been that close to Auburn, to be honest with you. Well, you should. Okay. War Eagle to you, sir. But uh, how about Katy Perry? Now, she can check off Alabama. She was in Mississippi. We'll keep her on her southern tour, of course. <laughs> Luke Bryan, the Georgia boy that he is, probably was looking for a good place to go fishing when he was in Montgomery area there this week. Now, Forbes has just come out with its 400 wealthiest people. And I'm going to see if your name's on this list, if you don't mind, as we walk through this list. Every year, Forbes releases its list of the wealthiest people in the country. And this includes those who've garnered their wealth through investments, software, sports, retail, and many more things. In fact, speaking of sports, there's one person on this list for the first time as this 2023 list includes Michael Jordan, and he is the first professional athlete to ever land on the Forbes 400. How about that? Now, he recently sold his stake in the Charlotte Hornets, and that's what helped him get onto this list. So, a bunch of people. To make the list, billionaires needed to have at least $2.9 billion in their bank account to make it onto the Forbes 400 400 list. Their bank account or their what their Their wealth. I'm sorry. All right. So, I'm going to go through here state by state of the South and tell you the handful. We really don't have that many. I'd say Fred Smith would be on there. Well, first of all, Alabama doesn't have any. Well, that's for Tennessee. Alabama doesn't have any. Yeah, Alabama doesn't have any, but Arkansas has several. The Jim Walton family, (laughs) they're on there with Rob Walton, Jim Walton, Alice Walton. Rob's on there with $67 billion to his portfolio. Jim Walton Right around the same number. Alice. And then you've got Warren Stevens. You know the Stevens Company out of Arkansas? They're on here with $3.2 billion to their credit. And then John L. Hunt. Are you familiar with that name? John L. Hunt also on the Forbes 400 list for the state of Arkansas. Those don't ring a bell to you? You don't go to the country club and hang out with those kind of people? <laughs> Let me walk through a few Floridians. We'll do that. We got a phone call. Maybe some of your David Thomas fan club members calling in. Hello, welcome in to the Y'all Show. Hey, good morning, y'all. Hey, How you guys, doing? Man? We're doing good. How about you? Oh, doing great, doing great. Have Have you heard the news that's circulating around us? Check this out because it's hitting a few spots on social media. But and you guys may have heard it, but uh, was this uh, Speaker Patrick McHenry, uh, Republican North Carolina, the pro temp that's taking mccarthy's place right now he ordered uh yesterday he ordered nancy pelosi to vacate her hideaway office at the capitol yeah i heard that last night i heard that last night uh the 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 insulting thing if you will wasn't the fact that he ordered her out of the office but what happened was she's not in washington dc right now because she's in california at diane feinstein's funeral that's what was kind of tacky about it Right, right, yeah. He should have waited till she got back. That would have been real nice. She needed that. She's a, she's really, really caused a lot of strife in this country. Her and Chuck Schumer, a lot of them have. You know, I'd, I'd like to see Jim Jordan actually take that spot, to be honest with you. I, I think he'd be strong on the border. He would be just as strong on the border as Nancy Pelosi wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's saying a lot. Do you have any problems with Steve Scalise? No, no, I don't. I don't at all. I mean, that man, you know what? You know, you know, not only what he's gone through, but I mean, 
I think he would be strong on on, on the border, you know, and, and things like that, and 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 you know, just our you know our monetary funds overseeing. And I don't think he'd be a, a seller like Paul Ryan and all those folks. You know, I was watching something last night, and maybe you know this story more than I, but they were talking last night about Paul Ryan never really wanted to be U.S. House Speaker. No. I didn't. No, he I didn't it. know that. No, he fought it. He fought it like he would, like almost like a, a boy would jump on a ten speed and right away, you know. <laughs> but I mean, somehow somebody got him in there. But he he got that fancy geek of Fox News, and that's why Fox is one of the reasons. Because see, Paul Ryan's a sellout. You know what I'm saying? And, and what it is, he's he's take he's he's into this woke stuff and all this, you know, more federal government now, you know, because they they didn't be that way, you know. But he has really messed Fox up, just like Obama messed Netflix up, you know. You know, get in there and they 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 they're they're getting all these woke policies and that this this you know and they're pulling all this these books out of these libraries, but then you know, and then they want to incorporate these libraries, you know, what I'm saying with uh with all these homosexual books and all these other things like that. If you try to say anything or speak out at the school board about it, they, they've gotten the law so set with with uh, the attorney general and everybody in, it, in Joe, Joe Biden's pocket. They're pushing this agenda. You can get arrested just going to a school board trying to complain, you know. So it's, it's, it's uh, and then, then you see all the other strife going on and they're getting away with it, you know. It's a, it's a two-way street and people, people are waking up. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good phone call. I know you guys noticed that. Yeah, we, we we are aware, and uh, this is this is something that we're glad that you took the time to call us here at the Y'all Show and and let us know how you feel. Glad I heard it. Thank you, brother. Hey, thank you for the call. That's how you do it here on the Y'all Show. Let's continue on with what we were talking about, and that is rich folks of the South. Florida's got a whole bunch of people. I don't really don't even want to get into that. Most of them making their money through real estate. Surprise, surprise. There is one person, David. You'll love this. Someone named Elizabeth Lucas has over six billion dollars to her name, and she made it off a subway. Eat fresh, baby. Eat fresh. All right. Uh, let, let me simply say this about that list. Um, and by the way, let me go back to one thing about your your caller just now. That's those are the calls there that help programs of this nature. They truly do. The, the guy was. I, I like I like his comments, but but anyway, if you notice a lot of the people on this list of the wealthiest people in the country does it have a does it state how many people inherited their money like the Waltons and it it doesn't but some of them are pretty easy to figure out in fact this next entry here mm-hmm. there's three of them that you need to say they need to come write you a personal thank you note for their wealth okay. because Bubba Kathy Dan Kathy and Trudy Kathy White are chick-fil-a the chick-fil-a people that are all on this list as each of them have a value of right at $10 billion each. Chick-fil-A's, uh, Truett Cathy's children, $10 billion of uh, assets to their to their names. Then you got Bernie Marcus and Arthur Blank, who Home started Depot. Home Depot. They're on this list. Bernie's actually got a little bit more money than Arthur, 9.2 compared to Arthur's 7.9. I kind of find that kind of surprising because he owns the Atlanta Falcons. What would they be worth if they put them on the market? Have you seen them lately? Have you seen them, what they did Sunday in London? Yeah, their value is going down. I don't think so, but go ahead. And a guy named Gary Rollins is a pest control guy. He's got a $5.6 billion. I don't know what his company is, but uh, not doing too bad in the pest control business, it appears. Nobody in Kentucky made it onto the list. 
no, I'm sorry, Kentucky. Let's see what we got here for Kentucky. We we have one person who's got seven point five billion dollars to their name thanks to their self storage fortune. Do you know who that would be? Tamara Gustafson. Self storage. Gustafson. Gustafson. Is that how you say? It? Yeah. Anyway, that person is Kentucky's lone representative on the Forbes 400 list. Louisiana only has two people, one from the alcohol business. William Goldring, the family of that, has $6 billion. And then the Saints owner, Gail Benson, $5.3 billion. Inherited. You could say so, yes. Mississippi has two people, and I've never heard of these names, but they must be siblings the Duffs, James Duff and Thomas Duff, who have their money primarily from a tire business, maybe a tire distributor, but each of them have a $3 billion asset to their name. That's Mississippi's representative. Missouri's got a few of those, including John Morris, made his fortune in sporting goods. He's now, valued at $8 on the, billion. On the, Missouri, on the Missouri list, it is uh, uh, Stan Kroenke, is he on there? Or is he a California person? I think he's been kicked out of Missouri. Okay. I don't see his name on here. You see, his wife was a, was a Bud Walton's daughter. Okay. If I got that right. But one person who's from the company Cargill, what is Cargill? They're oh, that, on here. Cargill, I, I, I want to say that's uh, like uh, agriculture. Okay. Well, Pauline McMillan Keeneth has a value of nearly $9 billion net worth, and that is why she made it onto this list of billionaires in Missouri. North Carolina only has a couple on here. Michael Jordan. I don't have it. He's not listed for North Carolina. There's two people in software, James Goodnight and John Saul, it looks like. And then one person has made it because of video games. Tim Sweeney with a $4 billion net worth for North Carolina. Oklahoma, you reckon they might have a few from the oil and gas business. Absolutely, they do. The Love family with the Love's truck stops. $10 billion in net assets. And then you also have a man named George Kaiser with $14 billion. That still pales in comparison to Harold Hamm and family oil and gas business. $25 billion of net assets. Moving on to the state of South Carolina. South Carolina has one person on here from the real estate world, Robert Faith. $5.8 $5.8 billion. Next up, Tennessee. Tennessee has... Let me, let me guess. Let me guess. Who do, you, let me get, who do you think's got more in Tennessee than anybody? Well, let me just put, try to put some people in line first. Uh, okay, Fred Smith would be on the list, I believe. I think Jimmy Haslam would be on the list. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Uh, let me... We're, we're on radio here. We're on time. We're timed here. We're timed. I'm trying to think. <laughs> you lose... Actually, a couple of these people added together still won't equal the person on this list at number one for Tennessee in terms of net worth. There is a person on here Give with a, a net, worth, net worth of $22 billion. Give me a company that he represents. Well, they're in the hospital business. Frist. Yep. Thomas Frist, Jr. and family, net worth of $22 billion. Then you have to come down to Jimmy Haslam. At $8.7 billion. That's the guy that owns the Cleveland Browns. He also, they, the family owns this, uh, the pilot and, and a flying jet. And that's why his brother Bill is also pretty high up here at $5.7 bill. Then FedEx founder Fred, Fred Smith at $5.7 billion of net worth. Then Martha Ingram. Uh, that's, uh, I want to say that's publishing. 
publishing, but also the Ingram transport. They had like barges, how they made a lot of money with her late husband, Bronson. $4.2 billion. And then a guy named Joe Yarbrough, who's in the video game world, $3.6 billion for the state of Tennessee. Texas has several people on the list. Bush uh, in there somewhere, the Bush family. <laughs> Bush. In fact, Elon Musk is now being a uh, listed a as a Texan. To what, $257 billion? Something like that. Yeah. yeah, but a bunch of Texans, of course, on the list, and Virginia and West Virginia as well. That just gives you an idea. If you want to have some fun, go to Forbes.com as they have their new 400 richest people in America out. And, man, if we could just have one of those billions of dollars. Let me ask you this. Was Donald Trump on that list? Let me go back and check. It would be Florida or New York. or Well, this would be important since he's got a trial right now going on about him evidently uh, lying about his net worth. <laughs> Let's see. You, you, he should be a Florida resident, correct? Who was it? Uh, speaking of Forbes, yeah, it was uh, Malcolm Forbes who started this list. I believe he, started, he had the magazine anyway. And uh, he used to put this thing, this list together. And when he did, he said Donald Trump would always get with him. And he said, Malcolm, he said, you know I'm worth more than blah, blah, blah. All the properties, all the holdings I have, this type of thing. You know? And he said, then funny thing, he said, Trump would get a divorce. And he said, Until the judge, no, I'm not worth all that. <laughs> I know former presidential contender Michael Bloomberg at $96.3 billion. He's on New York's list. He, Trump did not show up on a Florida list. Rupert Murdoch and family at $17.4 billion. That's pretty hard to believe he's that far below Bloomberg. It does. It, it really does. And I'm still looking for Donald J. Trump. I, I don't see him on here. But, so, you know, let me just say this. Murdoch, his holdings may be not just... It may be in different umbrellas. Though that's the. Okay. I, I don't know how to speak to that. I, I don't know anything about money. But I'll tell you what. Go to Forbes.com and you can have a good time looking up this stuff if you'd like and our last news story of the hour the state fair of texas it's about to go on if it hasn't started already right there in downtown dallas and the state fair of texas well they made a little boo-boo as they evidently have put out something as they as you come into their fairgrounds they had a little bit of a spelling area uh, error it looks like there and they won't make they they want to correct it david thomas as they had a sign that says we're glad you're here but they misspelled here on the sign h-e-a-r i think so yeah okay i, I think they've they've literally erased it from all outlets here of how that spelling fair but it's the state fair of texas and of course they have that big red river shootout coming up between texas when and you Oklahoma. Said the, that, that right there is a, is when when they announced the state fair is starting in, in dallas it, the football game oklahoma and texas play during the state fair mm-hmm. okay, like, go ahead so yeah just keep an eye I mean you're a writer you know how it's easy to just have Ooh, man, we're, yeah. things like misspelled and I'm still not exactly sure what they uh, what they misspelled but they did something wrong at least it was in English to their I, I, credit I've, I've caught many a, a, a misspelled word on my part and some of our readers say it ain't caught, so and some of our readers have caught some of my no spells. say it ain't so David Thomas thank you for dropping by oh thanks John thanks well, for having when me. we come back on the y'all show we will continue on with some big birthdays hey do you know who Bill Wade was does that name sound familiar Bill Wade he was Football. a quarterback for the Bears I think you're right yeah. born on this day in history plus also Lyndon McMahon's birthday today we'll have all that coming right up 
Hey, well, all right, sir, here we go there, and what are they going to give for? I'm a $600 down here now, 10 and now, 25 and now, 35 and now, the 50 now, 60, will they give me 60 now, 75, 75, another 85 dollars on the bond there. There was a boy in Arkansas who wouldn't listen to his ma when she told him he should go to school. He'd sneak away in the afternoon, pick a little walk, then pretty soon you'd find him at the local auction barn. He'd stand and listen carefully, then pretty soon he began to see how the auctioneer could talk so rapidly. He said, oh my, it's do or die, I've got to learn that auction cry, gotta make my mark and be an auctioneer. Twenty-five dollar bid and now thirty dollar thirty, will you give me thirty, make it thirty bid, upon my thirty dollar, will you give me thirty, who will bid a thirty dollar bid? Thirty dollar bid and now thirty-five, will you give me thirty-five, to make it thirty-five to bid a thirty-five, who would bid it at a thirty-five dollar bid? As time went on, he did his best and all could see He didn't just he practiced calling bids both night and day His pap would find him behind the barn just working up an awful storm As he tried to imitate the auctioneer Then his pap said, son, we just can't stand to have a mediocre man Selling things at auction, using our good name I'll send you off to auction school, then you'll be nobody's fool. You can take your place among the best. All right, everybody, get ready. Thirty-five dollar bid, a dollar forty dollar forty. Will they give me forty? Make it forty bid, a dollar forty dollar. Don't we live forty? Who would bid a forty dollar bid? Forty dollar bid, and now forty-five. Will they give me forty-five? Make it a forty-five bid, a forty-five. Who would bid it at a forty-five dollar bid? Happy ninety-fourth birthday today to Leroy Van Dyke out of Mora, Missouri, and a University of Missouri alum. M-I-Z-Z-O-U, sir. Happy birthday to you, sir. 94 years young, and that was the song that put Leroy Van Dyke on the map in 1956. The Auctioneer, his first single ever. And then his second single became a number one track, Walk On By. And thankfully, Leroy Van Dyke's still with us. If you have a chance, go to y'all.com. About two years ago, I had a chance to do a video interview with Leroy Van Dyke, and it was one of the first interviews he ever did on video from his home, right in the middle of the pandemic, by the way. And it's a great interview. And just go on there, if you don't mind, and search Leroy Van Dyke at y'all. We have a search bar, and you'll see the video interview that I did with the auctioneer, Leroy Frank Van Dyke, born in Mora, Missouri on this day. He still lives in Missouri and a great recording artist of the 50s and 60s. And again, today, the 94th birthday for the auctioneer. Happy birthday, sir. We already lost this great Southerner. We lost him in 2016, but today marks the birthday of Bill Wade. Bill Wade, as David Thomas told us a little while ago, a pretty darn good quarterback. He played collegiately for the Vanderbilt Commodores. He grew up in Nashville, attended Montgomery Bell Academy, born in Nashville on this day in 1930. Bill Wade, Commodore that went on to be a QB for the Los Angeles Rams of the 1950s. And then, as David Thomas correctly said, he was a Chicago Bear quarterback from 1961 to 1966. And then he actually was an assistant coach for the Bears after his retirement from playing Bill Wade. While at Vanderbilt, he was named the SEC's MVP and was a second-team All-American. What a great quarterback right out of the state capital of Nashville who went on to be part of the Chicago Bears 1963 NFL Championship team. 
and was a two-time pro bowler. He was a member of the Vanderbilt Athletics Hall of Fame. It's inaugural class of it, by the way. He would end up becoming blind in his later life and would pass away back in 2016 at the age of 85. Again, we remember Bill Wade, Vanderbilt Commodore quarterback turned NFL quarterback for the Rams and Chicago Bears, a Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, an NFL champion. This was just before the Super Bowl was created for the Bears, the Monsters of the Midway. And he helped them win, I guess, their last NFL championship prior to their ultimately going with the merger. They would win the 1985 Super Bowl. But Bears and championships don't happen all that often. And Bill Wade, part of that great Chicago Bear history. Today is also the birthday of another guy who played professional football, Sam Huff. Sam Huff was born in West Virginia on this day in 1934. He played collegiately for the Mountaineers of WVU, went to high school in Farmington, West Virginia, but played when West Virginia was a member of the Southern Conference and helped the Mountaineers do a great job. His number 75 has been retired by WVU. He would be picked to go play football in the 1950s for the New York Football Giants. Played with them for a number of years. And while playing in New York, of course, they had some humongous games there as he was a great player as a linebacker. His defensive coordinator in New York was Tom Landry, who would go on to be the first Dallas Cowboys coach. Of course, you had a pretty famous offensive coordinator for the Giants back in those days that would go on to be the Green Bay Packers legendary coach coach in Lombardi. But a member of the New York Giants and part of the 1956 championship for the Monsters of the they're just a football giants I apologize I'm getting my teams confused and then later he would play in that sudden death overtime game with the Baltimore Colts of which the Colts would win that one in the 1958 season after his time in New York Sam Huff would go on and play for the Washington Redskins and he's in the Washington Redskins slash commanders ring of fame he's also in the ring of honor for the new york football giants and a great player sam huff we lost sam huff back in 2021 he died in winchester virginia at the age of 87 but lived a very full life for this football playmaker on defense that went on to be an nfl champ and just a big part of the nfl's 1950s and 60s even ran for U.S. House one time, but lost in the Democratic primary back in 1970. Sam Huff, born on this day in history. Also, we remember the writer Anne Rice, as she was born on this day in 1941, born in New Orleans. Most of her writing and stuff centered around the Big Easy. She was born to Irish Catholic parents and got involved with her writing career of this fiction humor style that she had and sort of a fantasy as well. She had two children but Anne Rice, the author 
of Interview with the Vampire and other works born on this day in history. Anne Rice passed away in 2021 at the age of 80. Also born on this day, another writer, this guy more of a opinion writer, and I've got my own axe to grind with Roy Blunt Jr., a Vanderbilt alum, born on this day in 1941 in Indianapolis. He's a guy that gets a lot of attention, especially in the New York Times, for being a guy who weighs in on Southern things. He's got a great Southern voice. He's written all kinds of books and articles and more, but uh, he actually talked smack about Y'all Magazine one time in the New York Times. And as the publisher and founder of Y'all Magazine, I take offense to you, Roy Blunt. But happy birthday anyway. Roy Blunt's 81 years old today. Happy birthday, sir. Also with birthdays today, Tony LaRussa, the lawyer-turned-baseball manager. Tony LaRussa, who's guided teams to World Series titles. He's won the World Series three different times with the Oakland A's and with the St. Louis Cardinals and more. Three-time World Series champion as a manager. He's been a four-time manager of the year. Tony LaRussa played originally for the Athletics, starting out in Kansas City, and then went to the Braves and Cubs before becoming a White Sox manager for a number of years in the early 80s. And then, along with the Athletics around 1988-89 era, he and Mark McGuire and others helped them win a World Series. He would lead the Cardinals to a World Series during his time there along the Mississippi River as he was the Cardinals skipper from 96 to 2011 and helped bring a World Series to the Cardinals both in 2006 and 2011. And he would wrap up his White Sox career just last year as he was brought back to be manager for a while. The Tampa native, again, he has a law degree and he's been one heck of a major league player and manager throughout his career. Today, Tony La Russa celebrates his birthday as he is now 79 years young today. Happy birthday, sir. Also, today is the birthday of Linda McMahon. She turns 75 today. Born in Newburn, North Carolina, Linda McMahon, who was, during the Trump administration, the 25th administrator of the Small Business Administration. She had that role for a couple of years. And her husband, Vince McMahon, along with Vince, she helped found the sports entertainment company Titan Sports, which is today WWE. And she was very successful with that and has been a very, very successful businesswoman, an East Carolina University alum. I actually said she went to NC State. I apologize, all you pirate fans out there. I was wrong. She's an ECU lady. So, oops. Oops. My apologies. Don't sue me, Linda McMahon. <laughs> but uh, what a what a success story for the McMahons and Linda today with a 75th birthday, the lady with WWE and wrestling. And what a great fortune that she and Vince have been able to accrue with their tremendous Southern-based company. And that is a look at some of our Southern folks with birthdays and more here as we spotlight them here on the show that's all about the South. 
We'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up the Y'all Show Wednesday edition with some Southern humor, as we've got a guy who spent some of his life growing up in Augusta, Georgia, and he's now making people laugh. It's all about Billy Anderson, Southern comedian, and that's coming up right after this. going to wrap up this final hour of our wednesday show with some southern humor and we're going to tell you all about billy anderson his website is billyanderson.com he's a comedian born in texas and raised in augusta georgia been a stand-up comedian for a number of years lives out in los angeles and often in his shtick he talks about being a southerner and we found this clip here to help close out our wednesday y'all show it is this guy again with a texas and Georgia background talking about being a Southerner. It's comedian Billy Anderson, y'all. I grew up in a very small town in Georgia. I live in the Pacific Northwest now. Uh, a lot of people where I live think I should have a deeper, more redneck Southern accent because of where I'm from, which you're nodding. That hurts my feelings. That's fine. Uh, it's okay. Uh, I want to let you all know in the fine city of Provo uh, that not all of us sound like extras from the movie Deliverance, all right? <laughs> And not every child born in the South is born with, like, one side of their overalls undone plugging on a banjo. <laughs> They're just like, give me the sweet tea, give me the sweet tea, mama. <laughs> That's not how it works, No. Most children in the South eventually lose their Southern accents. So, you know, like, for me, it happened right around the time I learned to read. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That's a low blow. Billy Anderson, again, is his name. He is a Southern comedian living out in California. And he likes to kind of go back to his Texas and Augusta, Georgia roots in his comedy routine. Again, his website is BillyAnderson.com. And his humor way to wrap up this Wednesday y'all show. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back here Thursday with more Southern fun. We've got a great, great conversation with Kiefer Ingalls talking about the weekend's college football games. We also have our country music news and notes. Plus, we'll tell you about great festivals going on this weekend. All coming up Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.